Yes. The blue sun melts the red snow. The dish ran away with the spoon. Oh no, they're on to us! Scram! Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast where we watch and rewatch the 90s animated series Reboot. I'm Jessica, a nostalgic. And I'm Ben, a skeptic. I've never seen this show until now. I grew up loving it. Each week we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and find our frostiest moments. So Ben, how was your week? I'm doing pretty good. Um, how about you? Oh, not too bad. I'm back to the grind now that I haven't been waylaid in various other states. Uh, and I'm actually getting ready for my trip to Alaska in a month, so... Oh, nice. Uh, we'll see what happens then. Yeah, you're going to Alaska, I'm going to Hawaii, you know, we got it all <laughs> All the non-continental U.S. states. Yeah, they're right next to each other on the maps usually, so we'll be pretty close. Yeah, that's, that's how that works. <laughs> so what episode are we doing? Today we're doing Season 1, Episode 10, The Great Brain Robbery. It was written by Jen O'Howard, and the story was by Jen O'Howard and Lane Riker, and it first aired on December 31st, 1994. All right, let's get into it. All right. So we open up, and there's a game in mainframe, but that is not what the camera wants us to talk about. No, Zerg is back. <laughs> Didn't she get scolded for calling him Zerg? I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's waiting impatiently for someone he hired, who is apparently some weird southern-accented pig chick. It's Mouse. Mouse. She's actually voiced by uh, Stevie Valance, originally credited as Louise Valance. She's from a bunch of stuff, including the Care Bears both new and old, but not too much big stuff. So you may or may not recognize her voice for something. I did learn that she plays someone in the TV series Totally Spies called Gladys, which is G.L.A.D.I.S, which I can only assume is a reference to GLaDOS. Yeah. And now I kind of want to watch Totally Spies. (laughs) Mouse is definitely one of my favorites. She is awesome. She's pink. She's got a southern accent. She has static hair. I'm so excited she's here. <laughs> yeah. She shows up and he immediately checks out her ass. She does. Uh, she shows up somehow sneaking into his lair without his noticing. Walks past and he like full on checks out her ass as she walks away. <laughs> uh, and then she pushes by Hack and Slash. So Hack, the high-pitched red one, mm-hmm. is also checking her out. He's like, hey, hubba hubba. Yeah, the bots are already smitten with her. Well, Slash, he doesn't seem to want any of that. She like touches him and he's like, hey, she touched me. Hey, she touched me. Hubba hubba. I thought it was more like, oh, she touched me. Oh, see, I didn't hear that in there. Because later on, he's like, hey, stop touching me. Because he's not, you know, a sexy chick. That's true. So she climbs right into some weird tank thingy. Right. And Zerg tells the boss that she's in command. And if she doesn't stick to the plan, delete her. Megabytes already has plans moving behind the scenes. Yeah. Now, did you notice he has like a maze underneath his floor? I did not notice that. Yeah, it's like a black glass. And then underneath, you can see this maze kind of going around. Huh. I'll have to take a closer look next time. But Mouse is pretty impressed with uh, his rig there. Nice rig you got here, big guy. And after a quick back and forth, they activate a compression field, which shrinks her vehicle to a small enough size that he can fit her into a turkey baster. <laughs> so there's going to be some insemination happening. We know that much. <laughs> of some sort. But he hands it off to uh, Sergeant Smiley. Sergeant Smiley, who's so happy to be working for Megabyte. He is the most excited worker I've ever seen. 
I guess he earned his name. <laughs> and as he does so, he gives them instructions, and the outside, the game ends, which we don't ever get to see the game. Yes, the only thing we learn about the game is that Bob threw a really good tomato. <laughs> yeah. The binomes all surround Bob and start freaking out, and I could not tell if it was a celebration or a tantrum. I, c- I got a celebration vibe off of that, but I, I can definitely see they were being very vague. Yeah, like, I mean, because you're seeing them from behind, you don't see their expression, but, like, their movements are very ambiguous. Like, the one dude's, like, kicking and, like, punching at the ground. He's like, ah! And, like, and <laughs> the voices are not necessarily the most cheerful either. Like, it's, it's very unclear to me. <laughs> but Bob is completely worn out after all that tomato throwing and needs to go grab a bite to eat, get his energy back. Right. <laughs> So they head off, and we see that they're being tailed by some spies in trench coats. Yes, so this is really great. Um, so Megabyte's talking to his spies, and they're using these secret code phrases that go right over Zerg's head. One guy goes, uh... Ah, Roger, mothership. The monkeys are restless, and my dog has fleas. Over. They also get this great classic spy music during this scene, which is really fun. And they're dressed in trench coats and hats. Like, really, <laughs> it was a really funny scene. Yeah. The second guy has the uh, very classic fake glasses and nose and mustache on. <laughs> yes. And Megabyte is having none of his crap. He's like, he's completely fed up and just like electrocutes him. <laughs> yeah. I like how it only, it only takes two. One person says it, the second person says it, and the electrocution happens. He's just done. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so they're, they're following uh, Bob and the gang over to Al's, where Sergeant Smiley is standing outside. You know what to do. <laughs> he goes right into the kitchen, and as Bob orders a drink, Smiley drops Mouse's tank right into the uh, milkshake cup. We get to hear Sergeant Smiley's Al impression of, be right up. Yeah, which surprises Al, because he's like, whoa, that was fast. Well, Al's waiter. Al is currently tied up in the back. Right. But you think that would have been a big tip-off. Someone would have said, wow, something's wrong with Al. He's like, um, hmm. But he brings out the shake, and uh, Enzo immediately snatches it, and he does this thing where they kind of, he looks a little bit suspicious. He's like, let me taste it, make sure it's not poison. Well, Brisket is already suspicious. He starts growling as soon as Al's waiter comes up. The problem is, he does that every time Bob's around, too, so no one believes him. That's what happens when you cry wolf, dog. (laughs) But yeah, so Enzo goes and gulps down Mouse and Co. Straight past the delicately animated uvula. (laughs) And the teeth, his weird, like, blocky teeth. He goes like, ah, pure energy. Pure energy. So they are now inside Enzo and headed towards his nervous system. Mouse asks how Hack and Slash like her driving, and they go, hated it. Hated it. <laughs> Which is, uh, I think, right from uh, In Living Color. God, I never watched In Living Color. I totally missed that. Yes, yeah, so she lets Zerg know that they've reached the nervous system, which, when they look out onto that, it's actually a pretty cool shot. Yeah, and we get to see some good animation, I thought, with Mouse's face there. Where you can see how, like, in awe she is of the area. Because we do still get some, like, weird animations in this one. So it was nice to see. They, they got the awe, I thought, really well. Yeah, yeah, even Dot, like, early on when she was, like, looking for Enzo, she had, like, some interesting, like, subtle kind of fun animation there. But this landscape, this blue kind of hilly landscape with there's like, electric stuff going on all around it, that was a really neat background. Yeah, it looked really good. And we finally find out what Megabyte was after all this whole time, which was to get the supercomputer access codes. Break into Bob's brain, get control, find the access codes, plus a personal bonus of making Bob his servant, which, you know, kinky. 
they open up the hatch in the back of that tank there and Hank and Slash get out. Slash, the blue one, he's like, I wanted to say it. I never get to say stuff. (laughs) I also like that they immediately, like, immediately fall into some kind of crevice and start causing trouble. Yeah, yeah, they're bouncing around on, like, a spidery web thing. Yeah, some kind of, like, weird computer nerve cluster. And, Mm -hmm. like, literally bouncing on it. They are laughing and having a great time on this (laughs) tiny trampoline inside of Enzo's brain. (laughs) But they uh, drop off a device, and when they activate it, it makes Enzo start dancing around like Pinocchio before glitching out and falling over. He jumps up and down and all around and starts stuttering. I can't! Help! And they're just, what are you doing, Enzo? What are you doing? He's like, I can't help it. I didn't have control of my body. It was cool. I, I kind of liked it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, a weird foreboding for what his like teenage years might have. <laughs> they both know what they have to do is take the kid to Fong. He's apparently a doctor now. Yeah, he has a doctor's office for some reason inside the principal office. What's that like eye chart in the background? Did you notice those symbols? Yes. So one of them is Fong's yin yang sign and the other one is like a weird snake thing but i mean they're just alternating so it's not a very good eye chart right <laughs> i see snake thing snake thing yin yang snake thing yin yang snake thing um so so fong starts to weave this long-winded tail and bob cuts him off and tells him to get debugging and so uh, taking a look inside enzo's ear he spots hack and slash pretty much right away there's no delay there. Yeah, they're, they're not hidden. They're like, oh, whoop, there they are, right there. All right, so he's got hack and slash in his brain. I guess we got to take care of that. So he's just looking straight into his ear, and he can see them, like, on that surface. So the Enzo doesn't necessarily have, like, a, a physical brain, so to speak of. Bob knows what they need to do immediately, and that's to get him compressed. And Dad wants to come, too, but Enzo doesn't consent to that. He only wants Bob inside him. <laughs> I thought it was kind of sweet that, you know, Enzo we normally see put on this, like, uber brave, like, I, w- I could do anything. I could be the hero. And he's just like, oh, no one's going to stay with me. Because yeah. <laughs> there's some people living inside my brain, and that's kind of creepy. And you're kind of a big sister. He needs a little hand-holding. So when Mouse accesses the memory banks and uh, Zerg brings them up, he's surprised to hear Enzo's voice instead of Bob's. Yeah, he doesn't recognize it, though, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, no, it sounds like a child that I've never heard before. <laughs> What's going on here? That sounded like a child. <laughs> it's like, the password is belly button and no girls allowed. Bobs are okay, though. Which, Enzo. <laughs> Let's dismantle the patriarchy here, shall we? <laughs> it begins with you, for everyone has a step. <laughs> So on the outside, Enzo is reliving old dialogue out loud and his face is like morphing and squashing in these weird ways. I don't know. This really tickled me. This whole episode was really worked for me so far. And you can really see like Dot's like concern on her face too, where she's just like, I don't like, I really want to be able to fix what's happening and I can't. And it's like driving her crazy. Now, what did she do to fix herself in the quick and the fed? She orders food from Al. Right. And that fixed her. That fixed her. So how come they can't do that? They were at Al's already. Yes, but her problem then was not that she had hack and slash inside her head. This is a different, completely different problem. (laughs) So Bob gets into his action gear and gets uh, shrunk down while Enzo starts singing, I'm a little source code. I'm a little source code, short and stout. This is my input. This is my out. (laughs) I knew you would get a kick out of this. I was dying. I don't know why I thought that this was so funny, but like, 
dying. The best part, though, is, is like, this is my input, this is my out. This is my out, <laughs> as he points to his butt. <laughs> Which is such a better version of I'm a little teapot. Yeah, I actually wrote down, why am I laughing so hard at this? <laughs> <laughs> like, I had to go back and listen to it again. It was so great. But Zerg is still confused, so he tells Mouse to find him a mirror. Apparently hearing Enzo's voice wasn't enough. And he does uh, the clip from our podcast. This is wrong. This is all wrong. Is it time for Frosty Moments now? <laughs> so yeah, he grabs motor control of poor Enzo and sensory input so he can see what he's seeing and walks him over to a mirror. Uh, and he's not Bob at all. No. Though I like how Mouse immediately goes, don't look at me. <laughs> I've been inside the whole time. It doesn't matter anyway, because now he's realized that he's inside the principal core. So he assumes manual control and takes Enzo for a ride. Enzo does a jig and bounces up through the ceiling. Leaving an exactly Enzo-shaped hole. Mm-hmm. And Dot wonders where he could possibly be going. But Fong points out that where there is hack and slash, there is Megabyte. Yes. Which I guess I'll forgive Dot for not figuring that part out. Because she, <laughs> her brother was sick and she was concerned. Listen, everyone's holding the idiot ball today. Megabyte can't recognize Enzo and, and Dot can't recognize Megabyte. So... <laughs> But, um, yeah, so inside Enzo's head, Bob's making his approach in his uh, vessel towards Mouse with Hack and Slash in pursuit. Yeah, and using his hovercopter to drop bombs on them? (laughs) He drops bombs on them. I don't know how the inside of Sprite's brains work, but (laughs) I'd imagine firing missiles and bombs isn't great for them. No. And Enzo's already got his problems, so... (laughs) I don't know if we should be using explosives inside his head. No. It's like a little bit of Pop Rocks and Coke in there. (laughs) So he outmaneuvers them and uh, sends them flying back into the tank. And as he approaches to kick some ass, he gets zapped from behind by Mouse. And we get to see Mouse knows what's up and immediately goes out the top as Bob's coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Sneaks around back. Well, Enzo's walking through a corridor now, and uh, Megabyte literally forces his hand, making him open the mainframe core. Yeah, and Enzo's doing a really good job here of resisting. He's holding it back a lot. But why does Enzo's handprint allow him access, though? That's what I was saying. Fong, what the hell? Seems like a security flaw. (laughs) It's it's apparently not a biometric scanner. Any old seven-year-old can just walk in and open this thing. It's just you just have to put your hand there. Any hand can open it. He just needs a hand on it. <laughs> also, only one person is allowed inside at a time? Like, is it locked? Like, can't they just open the door and get him and pull him back out? Well, Fong doesn't actually have a hand. He doesn't, which is kind of weird. I also think this is a strike in my box of Fong actually doesn't know shit about shit. <laughs> He's just like, oh, we're doomed. And I'm just like, Fong, you do not have, like, one way to get into this room. Like, that's kind of like your whole deal, isn't it? He either, like, bluffed his way into the job or was grandfathered in or he's developed like alzheimer's and just doesn't remember things anymore <laughs> oh no that's so horrible i'm just gonna assume he failed upwards <laughs> so mouse uh, has bob captured she removes his helmet and they immediately recognize each other they have history so who's our mystery hero mouse okay so it makes sense at this point for mouse to be like bob why is Bob saying that? <laughs> I assume Bob has been lying on the floor seeing that this is Mouse for like a good five minutes. <laughs> it's a completely opaque helmet. <laughs> He's just like, Mouse? <laughs> I didn't is that you? Catch that. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they have a history. Yeah, Bob's apparently arrested her before in the past. When she tried to hack into the supercomputer, and she would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for that meddling guardian. <laughs> 
but he manages to convince her that they're all in big trouble if Megabyte goes through with his plan. They'll all be erased by the power surge. I mean, point to Mouse here. She at least isn't aware that anyone's getting hurt. This is a simple copy and paste job. But once Bob informs her, she trusts him like immediately. The stasis field comes off before she even goes to talk to Megabyte because I think she already knows what the answer is. Oh, sugar. What's this I hear about a power surge and toasting some little kid? You know I don't do toast. She confronts him and he denies everything. He's like, really, Mouse, who are you going to trust? And he gives this goofy-ass cheesy grin. (laughs) It's like, hmm, am I going to trust the guy who's literally programmed to be the white hat of this show? (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, no, certainly doesn't trust Zerg, so she pulls the plug and Enzo regains his faculties while uh, Zerg and Mouse quote the rule book at each other. Enzo immediately heads for the door, so I guess you can open it from the inside now, but not the outside. Yeah, it's not a refrigerator. (laughs) I'm going to continue to yell at Fong for this whole situation. (laughs) When Megabyte hangs up, Mouse just like roars at him. (laughs) Yes! That's so cool. <laughs> She's got like her canines are like just a little bit longer than they should be. Yeah. They've got another problem now, though. They're about to re-enlarge while still inside Enzo. So they got to get out of here. She asks Bob if he would like to navigate. He takes the con. But Mouse makes sure to throw in a little flirting in there to make Bob uncomfortable. Yeah. He vaporizes his ship and Mouse takes him to the gun show. Mouse has some pretty good guns. She's jacked. <laughs> But they, um, they zip up his Enzo's esophagus, I guess, and out his nose, which he only has nostrils on the inside. So this is, this is very much like his ear. There's no hole there because they didn't <laughs> model a hole. But we get another lovely and unnecessary three-angle shot of uh, Enzo sneezing out the ship. I thought about that because I actually went back for something else to go watch the scene where Frisket gets turned to stone back in the Medusa bug and falls over three times. And then... Almost immediately ended up watching this shortly after and was just like, they did it again! Yeah, they still haven't learned how to make this type of scene work. It just seems unnecessary, like it's redundant. (laughs) Especially since it's actually a pretty good scene, is you just see him sneeze and this giant thing appears. Like, it works. It works all on its own. It doesn't need the extra. (laughs) So the hatch opens and Dot pulls out a frying pan asking Bob, who that bitch? I mean, slow your roll, Dot. You literally just met her. (laughs) She, like, frowns, and Bob obliviously thinks that she really wants to be introduced, so he's like, oh, Dot, this is Mouse. Mouse is already gone. She has the right idea. She dipped right out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Left her mark on the door. So they ask, what are we going to do with these two jerks? And Bob gets this, like, really devious look on his face as he's looking at Fong. Again, good with the facial animations. That devious look really works. They even, like, going back to Megabyte's grin, like, he's got a static face, and they even still made him get, like, a cheesy grin somehow. Yeah, so I think they're really, there's some leaps and jumps that are happening here. Like, little little bits, but that are are really working to help make it a better show. But speaking of Megabyte, so our final shot is him sitting by himself in the dark, and uh, (laughs) suddenly interrupted by miniaturized versions of his trusty minions. And that's the end. Remote! So what'd you think of the episode, Jess? Um, so I thought it was pretty good. I think if we were going to rank the episodes we've seen so far, this one's kind of middling. Um, I think there's a lot of places that could have been tightened up. There's a weird joke um, when they're in the doctors where Bob goes the wrong way mm-hmm. and then has to walk back that, I, you know, it kind of reminded me of the stool joke. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not as much. See, I'm going to disagree with you. And I think this is one of the better episodes. Like this. Really? This almost is one of the top ones for me. I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really fun. I just think of the ones we've seen. 
middling. No, and I'm with you. Of the ones we've seen, this is near the top of the heap. I laughed quite a lot during this episode. I really enjoyed Hack and Slash again, and all of Enzo's antics, like him puppeteering around and his face moving around, that really got to me, and like the spy scenes were just like excellent. I love the spy scenes. The spy scenes were fantastic. The only thing I will say is you really hyped up Mouse, and she did nothing for me. Really? Her static hair hurt my eyes. I wasn't charmed by her accent. She's got a long way to go if she's going to top dot in my eyes. That's my girl. <laughs> but overall, this one was pretty solid A-. If you cut out all of Mouse's scenes, it probably would have gotten A+. She kind of dragged it down a little bit. I definitely don't agree about Mouse. I will agree that this is not her best episode. This is not, I think, a great introduction for her. Mm -hmm. I think they don't really get a lot of her personality. Like, she only flirts once, which for Mouse is like, why even exist? Well, she flirted (laughs) with everybody a little bit. When you really see Mouse going, Mouse loves to flirt. That's like her favorite pastime. They had some really fun lines in here, too, that really I I wrote down just because I thought they were really nice. Like, at the very end, we see Hack and Slash as piles in the back of the shrinking vehicle. And Slash goes, I am so sorry. And Hack goes, yes, he is. Yes, he is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's funny. Normally, Hack would be the one that gets the better lines, but Slash was killing it today. I liked that Bob tells Mouse all the horrible stuff she's actually doing, and her response is... You're always good at ruining a party. <laughs> so as far as we go, like I think we're kind of getting past the early installment weirdness. Oh, definitely. If we haven't quite turned a corner, we've at least approached a curve, so to speak. We have. And again, I'm saying middling just because it's of the ones that we've had so far. But I mean, it was a solid episode. I thought it could have used some tightening up in areas. But overall, I think we're leaving behind a lot of the problems that we've seen in the earlier episodes, for sure. I'll say this. If you would have told me just a few weeks ago that two of my favorite episodes would be Enzo-centric, I would not have believed you. <laughs> How did he trick me into liking him? <laughs> He's not even all muscly yet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, yeah. Like, like so far, was it this one and Enzo the Smart have been, like, my top two, I think. Yeah, we're not going to talk about Enzo the Smart again. <laughs> I will talk about Enzo the Smart <laughs> as much as you want to talk about D&D. <laughs> Which, actually, I want to recant a little bit of last week's D&D episode. Like, I really want to emphasize that I did not hate that episode. I liked it. It just, like, it baffled me the first time. That's all. <laughs> I'm sure they understand, Ben. It's okay. What do you have for Bits and Bites this week? All right, so this one's a short one for Bits and Bites. So we actually get a reference in the title of the episode, The Great Brain Robbery. And this is, again, the problem we had last week. It could be referencing many things. So The Great Train Robbery was a 1903 American silent short Western film that was about 12 minutes long. That was one of like the like landmark of early film. And then we had The Great Train Robbery, which was an actual robbery. Of 2.6 million pounds from the Royal Mail Train headed from Glasgow to London uh, back in 1963. So either one of these could be what the episode is referencing. And I think that's going to become more and more of a problem is just it's layers upon layers of it could be referencing this or it could be the thing that that thing's talking about or it could be the thing that that thing is talking about which brings me to my next bit and bite okay the fantastic voyage is a 1966 american science fiction film Uh uh, about people who shrink down and go into someone's body you teased it as inner space last week that's because inner space is based on fantastic voyage (laughs) (laughs) layers upon layers so we also get uh as you pointed out the snellen chart in the back of the 
quote unquote doctor's office. I don't know why Fong has a doctor's office. I'm still going to be hung up on that. Well, I mean, how stuck on continuity are we? Like, I mean, if you think something like Animaniacs or Looney Tunes, they took on different careers constantly, like just for a gag. I just, you know, we've seen doctors and nurses in this show already. They exist. I'm assuming they work somewhere. That's true. They have the doctor binome. But anyways. Snellen chart. We saw one of those. It was a weird one. It probably would not help you decide if someone had problems seeing. It was just this weird snake thing and a yin-yang symbol, specifically Fong yin-yang symbol, which again leads me to believe that this doctor's office is just something that Fong has cooked up on the side because he likes to literally play doctor. <laughs> so when uh, Bob asks if there's any compression files around that he can get all small with, Fong mentions, well, we do have an old B-peg, which is weird. Is that an ancient JPEG? It's actually not an ancient JPEG. It was created <laughs> in 2014. So Whoa. unless they're referring to something I couldn't find, it's called Better Portable Graphics, and it's a file format that was supposed to replace JPEGs. Um, I don't think they have yet. At least every, I used to still use no, JPEGs. No, I've never heard of it. So maybe I should look into using BPEGs instead. See, I'm, I'm still using RPEGs. We get the reference to I'm a little teapot. And this is apparently the only time that we see Al on screen. So we don't actually see Al on screen. He's tied up in a bunch of ropes. Do we? Yes, we do. We see him behind Sergeant Smiley. We just see a binome shape of rope tying. Okay. <laughs> so we assume that that is Al since he's going... Oh, I'm, you know what? I missed that. So one thing I caught actually was um, when Enzo says pure energy. Pure energy. I don't know, it might be a stretch, but I think we have another Trek reference because there was an Information Society song called What's On Your Mind, Pure Energy, which samples dialogue from two different Star Trek episodes. One is Spock and one is Bones. Oh, no way. Yeah, so it's actually Spock that says pure energy in the song, and then like Bones gets a little riff in the beginning. It's worked so far, but we're not out yet. Well, that would certainly make sense with this crew. All right, and that's our bits and bites for today. So we don't get to see the game, but we do hear that we are throwing tomatoes. So tell me what you found for that. So I had a Super NES growing up, and I played the crap out of this game called Out to Lunch. Um, it actually came out on the Game Boy and the Super Nintendo in 1993, and then was later ported to the Amiga and the uh, Amiga CD32 in 1994. And it's kind of reminds me of Donkey Kong with the way that the like levels are. You know, you're kind of jumping from platform to platform as it goes up, and you are a chef. You are Pierre Le Chef. <laughs> and all your ingredients have escaped, and you have to jump on them and then catch them with a net and put them in a cage. <laughs> and so what I'm envisioning here is that all of our favorite characters have been turned into various food ingredients. And then at one point, Bob grabs a tomato binome and launches him straight at the chef just on his last life, gets the little stars to go around his head and ends the game. See, my thought was that it was like a Fruit Ninja kind of thing, because if you're thinking about how Fruit Ninja is, the user would be slicing them, but then the Spinomes and Bob off screen would have to be tossing them. <laughs> Quick, toss them over the side. Right. So it's, it's not like a particularly dangerous one. It could be pretty fun. Because he's talking about how he's using his arm to like throw them, mm -hmm. you know? What I thought was kind of funny was I went up and looked at some Out to Lunch videos on YouTube, and I realized as much as I played this game, which was a lot. I must have been really bad at it because there was a lot of levels <laughs> I never got to. 
It was only until like probably a year or two ago when I realized I could do like save states on emulated versions that I beat Earthworm Jim finally. Oh, that must have been quite the day. Yeah. God, remember when you couldn't save games? Oh, God, I remember when you couldn't save games. This is wrong. This is all wrong. Now, it is time to award the Golden Pigtail for Frostiest Moments. Our nominees are... All right, so my nominees are, one, that line with Slash and Hack. I am so sorry. Yes, he is. Is <laughs> I got a real kick out of that one. Two, I mean, I kind of want to say it's Mouse. Again, I was a little disappointed in her introduction just because she's so fantastic. She got a little shortchanged, but that's only in retrospect. Obviously, going forward in time, she just gets better. But I will say that Mouse flirting with Bob and making him make an uncomfortable face as they're trying to escape Enzo's nose is is one of my runners-up. But I mean, I have to give it to the teapot song. I fucking lost my mind (laughs) during that song. I could not stop laughing. I literally went back and replayed it so that I can watch it again and crack up. Okay. Uh, Mine are the uh, Spy Gnomes and Smiley. Those were great. I really liked their whole get up, the whole thing, the code words. Smiley's just enthusiasm at his job. The binomes that were either celebrating or rioting. That's another moment for me. (laughs) We'll have to get some clarification on. (laughs) Megabyte's Cheesy Grin is my third nominee. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think I just have to give it to Enzo, just in general, this episode. His facial spasms, his weird gyrations, all of it. Like, the whole time he was infected, like, he was just cracking me up. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I enjoyed the hell out of it. (laughs) I'm glad you did. So you usually put out a tweet for feedback as we go into record. Do we have any this week? We've got a few, actually. Some of them are butt-related. Oh, boy. All right, so we had Kimora, who's at Wacko McGoose on Twitter, ask, if Enzo hadn't intercepted the energy shake, what do you think the inside of Bob's brain would be like? What might our favorite guardian be secretly thinking about? Besides Hex, of course. Probably Mike (laughs) on the phone sex line. Do you think he maybe asks Mike to do a Hex impression occasionally? (laughs) No. (laughs) I think Bob's head would be park cars. We know he's got a thing for cars. It would be a little bit of dot and a little bit of hex in there. But I also think it would be a lot of like Enzo the Smartish versions of himself. <laughs> just being like, ha I am the hero. Just like the Jerry's on uh, Rick and Morty. <laughs> when they're yes, exactly like that. Just like, yes, this is how I see myself. <laughs> the hero of mainframe. So uh, Vindolf Dwarf asks, do viruses like butts, or is it just that Bob and Mouse have exceptional booty? (laughs) And you wrote, why not both? This is a little bit of both, yeah. Column A, column B. (laughs) So, I mean, I know that Hex's infatuation with Bob does not quite ever go away. Right. So I I think Hex just really likes Bob. I think that's, you know, his butt is nice. Right. But I think she digs the whole package. Megabyte couldn't resist sneaking a peek either, though. <laughs> yeah, so Megabyte, I just think, appreciates the view. Because we know he's got a thing for Bob. So I think... <laughs> it really was a mirror, though, of like when she goes like, oh, yes, 
It really was. And they, they are sort of siblings, so it could be a genetic virus thing. It's also a bit of gender equality, you know? Everybody gets ogled. Exactly. <laughs> as long as everyone's looking good and everyone's getting a piece of it, we're fine. <laughs> so Nolan Hayes at It's My DeLorean on Twitter asks us, uh, based on everything up to this ep, mouse or dot? Definitely dot. Yeah. All right. So you're going to have to put a little crack knuckle sound effect in here because I'm about to go off. Uh-oh. <laughs> I will not play with this whole comparing the two women thing. This isn't my game. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Nolan. This is nothing against you. But I want both Mouse and Dot and Andrea, who you have yet to meet, in my group chat. And when I say I'm having a bad day, I want Dot to tell me the formulaic plan of how to make it better. I want Andrea to come and console me with her emotional experience. And I want Mouse to come and tell me I need to go get laid. Like that. (laughs) They are my good friends and I'm not putting one over the other. Listen, I am not objectifying Dot here. I just like, I like that she's smart. I like that she's strong and powerful. Oh, no, I wasn't implying objectification. <laughs> and she's also sexy as hell. <laughs> it's the it, comparison between women. There, there's a long history of kind of pitting women against each other. Like you can only have one. That whole Smurfette principle. Right. You, you get one lady on the show and that's it. <laughs> I want all of them. So the second question from Nolan is says, if you can, what is your favorite movies or episodes involving shrinking or body takeover plots? Movies or episodes. So movies, I think we've named the majority of them, haven't we? Well, we've named Fantastic Voyage and Inner Space. There's also Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Oh, yes. And um, also we mentioned Osmosis Jones, which isn't quite the shrinking, but if we're going with body taking over plots, we add a lot more. No, that's that's just like inside the body. If we're going to go with my favorite episode of something that includes a body takeover plot which isn't in any way like the plot we've just seen um it's gonna have to be the buffy episodes where faith takes over buffy's body i am a huge buffy fan and that was that was really good episode some fantastic acting on on sarah michelle geller's part (laughs) okay well thanks guys for reaching out to us we really appreciate you uh talking to us talk to us throughout the week and let us know what you're thinking and we'll try and comment on it and bring it up in the podcast so what are we looking at for next week so next week i'm so excited to try and figure out like what you're gonna think about next week <laughs> oh boy all right so next week is uh season one episode 11 it's called the talent show and it legit has a talent show in it oh boy those could be hit or miss and i think it's fucking fantastic (laughs) (laughs) i have a feeling i might disagree we'll see (laughs) it's a little weird i won't say it's not weird um (laughs) i i will say that there is an almost jessica rabbit ish moment oh boy and we get a very surprising guitar battle (laughs) and i think you might like it but i'm not positive and so i'm really excited to see what you think i just pictured binomes doing like obnoxious vaudeville routines No, it's not quite that. It's very surprising, I think. Okay. I'll keep my mind open, as I always do. Okay. Good to hear. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. Is there anything you're enjoying this week? Uh, no, actually. Really? Okay. <laughs> um, catching up on a lot of old podcasts. Uh, I just finished listening to um, the Annihilation Trilogy, which you've already mentioned before. I've been. I actually am reading those... And I'm about two-thirds of the way through the third book. I have mixed feelings. What are you, what are you thinking? I just finished the third book, and 
I was a little disappointed in the resolutions. Yeah, like, I loved the movie so much. The movie was so good. I was really looking forward to the books based on how much other people were raving about them. And I just, I felt as meh about them as you probably did about the Expanse books. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm continuing to read them. They're not unreadable, but, like, I'm not feeling... I'm not getting any enjoyment out of them. Pretty much. I think that was kind of how I felt. I'm like, I'm loving The Expanse, though, <laughs> so far. <laughs> so. But, yeah, so now that I've finished the Annihilation Trilogy, I'm just catching up on all my old podcasts, so I'm all caught up on Adventure Zone now. Oh, good. Uh, you know, I've, I'm mostly catching up on old stuff, so don't have a lot of new. But what have you got? Well, my recommendation is um, just a Twitter account. It's at SwearTrek. It's... S-W-E-A-R underscore Trek, T-R-E-K. I love that Twitter account. All it is is just GIFs of various Star Trek episodes with uh, captions, and the captions always include a swear of some sort, and it makes me laugh every time. (laughs) So I'm very much enjoying Swear Trek, and if you're not following Swear Trek, then you're doing Twitter wrong. Yes, I get a kick out of it. That that Twitter is fantastic. So you can always follow us on Twitter at IncomingGamePod. You can follow us on Facebook at IncomingGameCast, and we're at Incoming comingamecast.com as well you can find me as at dudworks on twitter dudworks.com and dudworks art on facebook and you can follow me at stervino lady on twitter at stervino lady on instagram on tumblr and stervinolady.com if you're interested in looking at a portfolio but only if you're going to hire me our theme music is uh, spasmatica polka by kevin mcleod the heron stalks at midnight moose and squirrel skulk at noon but what happens when the envelope opens You'll stay frosty. Game over. User wins. So what'd you think of this episode, Dot? Dot? No. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm, I'm projecting. <laughs> All right, that, that's one for the bloopers. <laughs>